welcome to Subtext and Discourse, a podcast which takes you behind the scenes of the art world with the unique individuals involved in the field. My name's Michael Dooney, director of Jarvis Dooney Gallery and host of the show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Alessa Vidmer, the Zurich-based curator and art historian specialised in photography, who's currently the artistic director of Switzerland's only photography-specific art fair, Photo Basel. Alyssa tells me about how she first got into photography and the organic path that led her to this role. We touch on a few of the curatorial projects she was involved with both while studying and after graduating that influenced her career, as well as advice for aspiring curators and those curious about this profession. Please be sure to follow Subtext and Discourse Artworld Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave a review and share the podcast with your friends. Now, without further ado, I hope you enjoy my interview with Alessa Vidmar. You just got back from Basel or Photo Basel last week because you're now their artistic director. So how was that? Intense. It was an intense week. A lot of fun. Very exciting. Long hours, no sleep. It was really an amazing experience. So yeah, it was last week. So I'm slowly getting my strength back. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. I mean, I've never experienced this Art Basel week from the perspective of an art fair as working at an art fair, only as a gallerist. So yeah. it I was wondering about that because you we met at Photo Basel years and years ago when you were working at Faber. Fabian and Claude Walter Gallery, yes. So you've been on the other side of the <laughs> yes. fair. So that's a nice story because I've known Photo Basel for years now. I think I went to the first edition eight years ago as a visitor. And after that, Fabian and Claude Walter Gallery always participated as a gallery. And since I'm a huge photo nerd. They always asked me while I was working in the gallery to support them on the fair. So yeah, I've been seeing the fair for or taking part in the fair for the past few years. And I got the opportunity to curate a few special exhibitions in the past few years. So last year, Sven Eisenhut, the director of Photo Basel, asked me what my plans were, if I would be open to maybe work for a photo Basel instead of just exhibiting there. Oh, cool. And that's how this sort of thing got started. Looking back, I, as a gallerist working at the fair, you mostly have the hours that you have to be at the fair when it opens, so it closes. Maybe you have a few dinners afterwards or breakfast before that. But working for the fair, you'll be there at eight in the morning <laughs> and you stay there till, I don't know, late in the night which was, uh, yeah, it was intense, but also seeing the fair being set up, taking it down, seeing how the room is empty and suddenly you're standing in an art fair. It was quite incredible. Yeah, because I know from a gallerist point of view, I know like the planning and preparation that goes as a participant, but like, what's your role as artistic director? I would say in general, I have like two roles. First of all, it's the communication with the gallerist from the selection that, of course, is not my own, my own choice. This selection is taking part with a big circle of experts, but still like um, seeing which galleries might be a fit, contacting them, talking to them up until the selection is done by the committee to support the gallerists and what they could show and what might be a good fit for Photo Basel as well. Mm-hmm. And just, um, yeah, communicating with them and seeing if they need any help with anything. In addition to that, I'm also looking for the supporting program. For example, this year we had two special exhibitions that took quite a lot of organization that we had to start quite early on, as well as a special feature that had the name Beyond Photography. So we were looking at photographic positions that went beyond photography and the way they created the photographs. 
I would say those are the the main two chores. But Photo Basel has quite a small core team. So it's always all hands on deck and we try to help each other with everything that sort of comes up. So sometimes you have an idea that, for example, for you have an idea or a vision for a flyer or I don't know, something small like that. And you can really, you have the possibility to turn this idea into something amazing, yeah. which is quite cool. So what is involved in the, I guess, the supplementary program or what's the extra part that's outside of just, well, not just, but with the galleries presenting, what's happening around that? Yeah, so in general, we had well those two special exhibitions. One of them was called Pure Photography, 20th Century Floral Masterworks, and was showing a selection from a private collection from Switzerland with especially vintage, but also contemporary prints from West Coast photographers. So from Imogen Cunningham to Ansel Adams, Edward Weston, up to Don Worth and others, works that were focusing on straight photography, but with a floral aspect. Mm-hmm. And we were able to show, yeah, quite a little bit of photo history there. And the other special exhibition was about Alex Kaiser, a Basel-based photographer that I actually wrote my master thesis on. Oh, yeah, wow. he's, he's one of the sort of photographers from the 70s that tried to change Swiss photography. But somehow in photo history, he got forgotten. So when the Alex Kaiser Foundation, as well as the Esther Werderhoff Gallery approached us with this idea of a special exhibition, I for sure said, yes, we should, <laughs> we should do that. So there's those two things. But also we had a lot of guided tours, like groups from, from all kinds of areas, from students to collectors to curators that wanted a guided tour around the fair. So basically to get an insight into what's going on, to talk to some gallerists. We also had some special dinners at the fair, which was a first one for us mm-hmm. to um, set that up and to organize those things. A lot of book signings and, you know, this sort of special program starts with one idea and then sort of yeah. explodes. And we had yeah quite a lot going on this year. Because how does Photo Basel compare to the two big known photography fairs, Photo London and Paris Photo? So Photo Basel is a boutique fair. It is not as big and very, you know, we always, we don't talk about the Photo Basel team. We talk about the Photo Basel family because we're not a huge team. We know each gallerist, of course, by name as well, their assistants. This year, there were around 38 galleries. Mm-hmm. So compared, for example, to Paris Photo, it's a small fair, yeah. but that what makes it kind of unique because people do not only, or especially the galleries, do not only come for Photo Basel, but also to have this atmosphere at the fair. And it's, yeah, I think it's quite a, a family-like atmosphere that we have going on, which makes Photo Basel one of a kind, in my in my opinion. Yeah. And I suppose what we can't ignore as well is it takes place during Art Basel yes. week. I guess, how has it grown? Because you've been there since the start, essentially, but now in the, I guess, in a different role. But how does it sort of fit into this kind of ecosystem that happens yeah. during that week? Because I remember I went to Basel the first time years and years ago, and I probably didn't appreciate that there's not just Art Basel. There's a lot of other fairs and a lot of other exhibitions and events and activities that are happening during that very intense week. How does Photo Basel fit into all of that? I think over the last few years, quite a lot of those so-called satellite fairs came and went. Photo Basel stayed at its place at Volkshaus for the past 
seven editions, so quite close to Art Basel, mm -hmm. and has established itself, I think, as a fair that only focuses around photography. You know, if you talk to someone about Art Basel Week and that person is in awe with photography, you'll probably tell them, yeah, you should go to Art Basel. There are like two or three photo galleries, but if you really want to get into it, go to Photo Basel mm -hmm. because we have the focus there which has over the years gotten a little bit lost at Art Basel. Of course, yeah. you have the big photography gallery players there, but it's, I mean, like those four or five galleries and that's it. Yeah. And Photo Basel is the first photography-specific fair in Switzerland as well, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Was there anything close to it before? Or how is the history of photography within Switzerland compared to, say, somewhere like France? So regarding the fairs, they're actually was, I think, in the, if I'm not wrong, late 70s, early 80s, photography was introduced to Art Basel with some galleries and there were some focuses on there, but that sort of faded away over time. In part of photography fairs, there wasn't a lot going on. I mean, if we look back at Furthermore, the, the history of photography in Switzerland, we had like the first photo gallery open in the 70s with Anita Neugebauer in Basel. Yeah, wow. And in, I think it was in 1971, the Foundation for Photography that is now Photostiftung Schweiz was founded. So quite late as well. And I think that plays a big part in it, why there hasn't in the developing of photography there hasn't been a lot of fears like that. Yeah. So when Sven Eisenhut initiated this with quite a group of founders, that was their idea to sort of get a fair next to one of the biggest art fairs in the world that is focused on photography. That really, um, during this special week, also gives photography a platform. Yeah, awesome. And this year as well, if I understand correctly, is the first year that Photo Basel Miami happens. Is that yes, right? Yes, yes. And are you involved with the artist direction of the Miami edition as well? We'll see. <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is that when this opportunity came, I was still very, very much involved with the latest edition of Photo Basel. And since Miami is going to be at the beginning of September, there's still a little bit of time left. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> how different are they? As I understand, Art Basel, like Hong Kong, Miami, Basel, they all exist under the same umbrella, but they're quite, maybe they meet different audiences or they have different presentations and there's a different atmosphere and a different approach to each of them. I assume that will be the same with Photo Basel, Miami as well? I think so. I mean, because of where the fair is centred, of course, it's also important to look at what might be of interest to show at the fair. So for Photo Basel Miami, we're collaborating with Scope Miami. So we're still discussing how much space we are getting in the fair. So depending on that, we will see how big of an impact we can have on the photography part of that fair. So yeah, the brainstorming is uh, <laughs> has just begun. <laughs> okay, I can ask you later. Maybe I'll ask you in six months or any yeah, year. Yeah, or and... six months, I mean, give it a few weeks probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess the, quite the position that you're in now, artistic director of a fairly significant art fair, What was your entry point into photography? That's actually quite a fun story because when I moved to Zurich, I studied and I went to school in Germany and then moved back to Zurich because parts of my family are living here. I thought, you know, I want to go to university. I'll just study something that I liked. And I always liked art history. Never had a specific interest in photography at all. 
I studied art history and at that point I had the luck that at the University of Zurich the Fleischmann Fund supported a program of theory and history of photography. So there were quite a lot of courses going on at the university and I thought yeah I might just take some of them to see what it's like without any big interests. Mm-hmm. Parallel to that I got an internship with Christoph Guy Gallery. Oh cool. Yeah so I think the combination of both suddenly was like oh I really like photography. Like I would have, if you had asked me a few months before that, I would have said, bah, photography, I don't really care. So I really sort of grew into it. And after that internship, I started working for Fabian Claude Walter Gallery, had a special focus at the university because I ended up actually doing my master's in only photography history, which not a lot of universities offer that opportunity. So that's how all of that got sort of started. And next to like my job at a university, I always started doing some exhibitions and projects with friends that not always, but often surrounded photography as well. Oh, okay. Because I thought it was also interesting that even studying art history and the history of photography, that you started working in galleries and not at like institutes or museums. Yeah, that's sort of the thing that I like. I mean, I love photo history. I love the university, but sometimes it's too academic for me. Mm-hmm. And working in a gallery, you have the opportunity to visualize ideas. So if you have an exhibition idea, you just do it. I mean, you have the possibility to create something that you actually see on the walls. Mm-hmm. And I sort of need this balance of both like the academic world, but also like the art world, like working, doing exhibitions, being in contact with galleries, with artists, with photographers. So sort of the whole spectrum. Even our next photo Basel, I am doing my PhD in photo history. So I think I need the balance for now. Yeah, it, but it's really cool though, because I think a lot of people, they're either all in one end or all in the other. And in my experience, at least most of the time, curators and people on the kind of academic end have almost no idea about what happens yeah, on the commercial it, side of things. And I think this bubble that each of the sectors are in is often a little bit of a problem. I mean, yeah. because the whole art world, no matter from the academics up to the art market, it is one world that sort of is surrounding and supporting each other and is influenced by one another. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like the idea of, for example, the university just shutting themselves off, only doing research, as well as maybe some museums only shutting themselves up and doing their own research and not collaborating with universities. I mean, why don't learn from each other and create amazing projects together? So that is, yeah, one of the things that I'm trying a little bit as much as I can to do to not only be in one field, but to try to engage a little bit in more fields than one. Because how did you come to that idea? Or what, were you exposed to any other people doing something similar? Or is it normal in Switzerland, like to kind of I mean, have this balance it maybe? It's a little bit normal for you to work next to your studies or while you're at your university. So since Zurich, especially, has such a rich art scene, a lot of my, my friends also started working in galleries or like earning their money a little <laughs> bit in the in the artistic field. But yeah, other than that, I think because I always get the feeling that I didn't fit perfectly in with the university, but sometimes at the gallery, I was thinking too academic, so I thought <laughs> it would be easier just to combine it so I can, yeah, put them both together somehow. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was looking on your website and there's some really nice projects that you've been involved with. And at the gallery, you did a lot of photography curating, obviously. 
So there's one called Kleinmuseum. Yeah. And something else called Fundkunst. And these are both German words, so yeah. we'll need to explain them for English speakers. Which one came first and how? Fundkunst. Yeah. Which is like a lost art. Yeah, but as in lost and found art. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, my dad has the store in Zurich called Fundsachenverkauf. Yeah. So it's like lost and found, a lost and found shop. Mm. When people lose something on a train, for example, you lose your bag on a train, you can go to the lost and found mm -hmm. and ask for the bag. But around, I think, 50% of what is lost has not been picked up. So he started this idea where he, like when people don't pick the things up, He started selling them in a store and it started quite small only with, I think, the SPB or the Swiss train and then it expanded. And now I think it's like a lot of Swiss airports, the trains, the trams of nearly each city. And he has experts in his store for each field. So he has technicians that work with the laptops and phones. He has people that care around the clothes. So it's I think it's a very contemporary sort of shop because shop, they sell what people lose sort of yeah and yeah they also lost art i mean you have everything they're like from certain oil paintings to just like student drawings and at some point my dad i think he founded it like 15 years ago he figured out that people don't come to his store to buy art they come to buy like a new phone or laptop or clothes or things like that yeah. or even jewelry so he started putting it away, like just saving it. And, you know, we'll see what one day will happen. And that's how we got this idea started to exhibit that <laughs> lost and found art. And yeah, it was a crazy idea. I mean, because the range of what works we had there from really just like random things up to really nice stuff. Like we had this one portfolio with, I think, about 150 drawings, portraits that just said the name of the person, the first name and the date. And that's it. And it was like amazing work. And we talked to a lot of newspapers and we were really hoping to find the person behind those portraits, but we never did. With other works that we did some research on, we actually found the, the owner or oh, the did? artist or yeah. the history behind it. Like someone's backpack got stolen with an artwork at the airport and things like that. Yeah. So we used those stories for the exhibition and then gave those works back and sold the rest to give it a new home. <laughs> yeah. It's really nice. Like when I looked it up, I didn't completely grab it from the website. I thought, what? The works were lost and found? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, with some works, like we even had oil paintings that we had to go to a, well, an auction house. They were friends of ours. And I asked them, is this worth any money? <laughs> Because we were all like young bachelor students. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like good enough for the auction house or yeah. not valuable enough, but you can sell it for a few hundred bucks. <laughs> well, it reminded like me a that. bit like of that TV show, Antiques Roadshow, yeah. where people <laughs> find things and they go to an auctioneer or they go to a specialist yeah. and they say, is this worth anything or is this by somebody famous? And they say, oh, yeah, you can get 300 euros for it. Oh, no, this is worth nothing. Or this is worth thousands. Yeah, I mean, we even sold something to, I think it was the, was it the library of Lausanne? I think, no, Fribourg, Fribourg, because there was this Swiss race car driver, Joe Sifford, mm -hmm. and we had photos of him that some photographer took and even like Diaz and stuff. And mm -hmm. we thought, okay, that would be amazing to exhibit, but we didn't have like a Dia projector. Oh, well, yeah. the next time... And the next day, a dear projector was lost and came <laughs> to the store. Like, perfect. It was like an old school one from the 70s. So it worked out perfectly. And we had this little installation. And we thought, okay, this is something, like, we want to sell it, but 
to like a collection or something. So we sold it for a very, very fair price to the library of Fribourg because he's from there. Yeah. Yeah. Fundkunst is always fun. Like my dad is doing a lot of pressure on me right now because he has so much art again. Yeah. So if it's going to happen again, I'll let you know for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's such a fascinating concept that for one, that people lose art, but then there's a place where it can go and that it can, I suppose, find a new life and continue yeah. doing things. That's a new home. <laughs> it's very important for us to find new, nice new homes for lost art. Yeah, no, yeah. it's nice. <laughs> So that was sort of the first exhibition I did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And with a few friends that were part of that exhibition, we started an off-space sensor called Kein Museum, which was a tiny, tiny store that we were able to use. I think it used to be, you know, like a, a kiosk. So it wasn't really set up for exhibitions, but before us, it was used for sort of an experimental art space. Mm -hmm. So we tried to, to do the same thing. And Kain Museum is not a museum, it's yeah. like the title translated. <laughs> so the idea was to have event-based exhibitions. And it was a collective with quite a lot of people from all sorts of areas. So I did a few photography exhibitions there. A friend of mine did a few performances there. So we tried, talked or get in contact with sort of the whole young arts community in Zurich. I was there, I think, for maybe two years. And after that, like it just with the work and other things, uh, I thought that for my part for photography, like I've done all the exhibitions that I could have. And I left the group a little bit. Yeah. And the others kept on going, I think, until last year. So they had like a crazy program with a lot of experimental exhibitions. For now, they, well, they, they gave up the location, but they still are a collective that is working on some projects and it's nice to see how like this idea started and then kept on going for years and you know people left other people joined and it's been going on since I don't know quite a few years now. Yeah, wow. Because yeah. I thought in the context of that and even like knowing the position that you find yourself in now like for aspiring curators or people that see people like yourself or other curators running museums and other different initiatives like I think the Kind Museum sounds and even the Fundkunst it's almost like these sort of initiatives help kind of pave the path to where you want to be, to what you want to do in a, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, you, you learn a lot working with artists, creating a concept, but also solving a lot of problems or trying to finance things. I mean, those were amazing experiences that really helped to to prepare for the <laughs> for the job world, I would say. And the good thing is, you know, all those projects... We chose them ourselves, we made them with friends or we created them with friends. So of course it was about art and about exhibiting, but it was also a lot, a lot of fun and a good time. And I think that's what I really enjoyed a lot about it, that in the end you don't remember the exhibition itself, but rather the, the setup or like the failures you had. And it's just a great experience to learn from. Like going back, I really appreciate the photo Basel family that much because it's still even though it's a huge art fair it's a professional art fair we still have this fun together and try to create something now on a different level than probably yeah. Kaim, Kaim Museum but still like the vibe and the passion for photography or for art is still there and I think that's what makes any museum art fair gallery or whatever makes it special yeah definitely 
for artists and photographers, how important is it for them to meet other curators and to get to know curators? I think it's quite important just to sort of get a little bit of a network or just like a few friends, now friends of mine, young photographers that I met somewhere and we got into talking, they showed me some work and we just stayed in touch. At some point I was like in need for a, a photograph for an exhibition and I thought of their work and I thought, hey, <laughs> could I borrow it for an exhibition? Yeah. And it worked out like that. So I think often it's just important to go to exhibitions, to meet new people, to meet new artists, to meet new photographers, to sort of become part of this whole scene because out of those connections, someday might an exhibition or another collaboration might happen. So Yeah, I agree. And I guess when I ask a lot of other people, I get the similar message. So I'm hoping that yeah, when photographers listen and when artists hear this sort of thing that they understand, okay, I just need to get out there and meet people. I need to become part of a community because that is, you know, ultimately how doors open. Rather than worrying, oh, how am I going to get to the next point? Expand your network really is the better way of doing it, really. Yeah, exactly. The more you sort of get into the scene, the more you can also learn. And that's what I especially like about the photography world. I think people are easier to approach than probably in the bigger arts world <laughs> because I think in the photography scene most people are very friendly yeah. even like if you approach them you might get a nice conversation out of it so I can only encourage that yeah I agree I guess on the topic of communities we were talking before when you arrived you're going to Arl in a few weeks as well yes in two weeks it is already and it's the first time you yes it's the first time <laughs> I'm really excited I know I should have gone there um yeah, a long time ago, but somehow it, I wasn't able to organize it. So I'm really looking forward to it. And for example, what I also love about Photo Puzzle this year is one, like you prepare for this fear and then suddenly it's over after mm. a week and you, you're saying goodbye to a lot of the gallerists and you already miss them because <laughs> it's a goodbye. And nearly everyone was like, yeah, you know what, see you in two weeks in Arles. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to probably a lot of familiar faces but also meeting new people seeing great artworks so yeah well thanks for meeting with me thanks yeah, for chatting sure. and yeah i guess i look forward to seeing you in two weeks in the yeah. south of france <laughs> <laughs> i hope you enjoyed my interview with the lesser vidmer it was really nice catching up whilst i was briefly in zurich and that we found time to record podcasts together in the show notes you can find links to Alyssa's online presence and some of the topics we spoke about during the program if you have any questions, comments or feedback to this or past episodes of the podcast, please don't hesitate to get in touch. In recent episodes of the show, the subject of photography festivals and how beneficial they can be has been spoken about. So I've put together a list of international photography festivals, art fairs and book publishing events, which you can access on my website www.michaeldooney.net and there is a link in the top right hand corner of the homepage where you can access the database. Subtext and Discourse Artworld Podcast is streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major podcast platform. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone else who would appreciate it, why not send them a link to the show? That's all for now. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Michael Dooney, and you've been listening to Subtext and Discourse.